everyone and welcome to Words from Abba, a place where we look to reveal the Father's heart so that you may be confident in who He is and what He has to say to and about you. We want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. And if you haven't already, please feel free to go and like and follow us on Instagram at Words from Abba, on Facebook words from ever and also have a look at our website which is words from forward slash home thank you so much for joining us today and we hope you enjoy today's episode hi everyone and welcome to part three of the prodigal series so this is the final part of the prodigal series and next week we'll be doing a brief recap on everything that we've learned over the past month Um, but today we're going to be looking at the relationship between the father and his older son so i find the older son to be a very interesting character in this parable and i believe that he represents so many of us who are in the church right now um, unlike the younger son, the older son was still in the father's house and yet he still lost his identity. And like the younger son, it was for the father to restore the older son back to his original position. So for those of you who haven't listened to the last two podcasts, I would encourage you to pause and go have a listen because this podcast is a continuation from those But as a brief recap, Jesus was telling a number of parables to some Pharisees and Sadducees to explain why he loved hanging around what they called notorious sinners. Um, The parable of the lost son, it speaks about a father who had two sons. The younger son asked his father to divide up his estate. And when the younger son received his inheritance, he moved away from his home and he wasted it entirely like he had nothing left. He basically became destitute and hungry and he was working as a slave for a farmer in a far off land. Eventually that lost son comes back home. His father forgives him and restores him and the whole house has a huge feast to celebrate. So Luke 15 from verse 25, it continues from here and the Bible and the Passion Translation reads, Now the older son was working out in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, What's going on? The servant replied, It's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, Come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness? Never once have you given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are, throwing a great feast to celebrate. For him! The father said, My son, you are always with me, by my side. Everything I have is yours. It is only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed, because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost 
but now he is found. So who is the oldest son? I think the oldest son represents those of us who've been in the church for a while. He represents those who've been doing things for God out of obligation rather than relationship. It's people who view a relationship with God as a transactional tit-for-tat type of relationship. Um, Those who think that because they serve God, God is basically obliged to do certain things for them. And I was very excited to speak on the older son because I've been an older son before. Um, I used to do things because I expected either praise or elevation or recognition. And when I didn't receive those, or if I saw other people being promoted, it would hurt me a lot and the green-eyed monster would begin to rear its ugly head. But we thank God for deliverance. So today we have a former quote-unquote slave talking to you about how the prodigal father relates to the quote-unquote slave. And I'll be drawing quite a bit from my own experiences to better illustrate the lessons from this parable. So the first thing I want us to look at is the older son's location. The Bible says the older son was working out in the field and when he returned and found out about the celebration, he refused to come in. He chose to remain outside. But why would he do that? I mean, I can imagine that he would have been tired from working all day. He was probably all sweaty and his clothes were dirty from being out in the fields. And rather than going inside to freshen up, He chooses to stay outside and remain dirty. Why? I think this is because for the older son, he drew his sense of self-worth from outside, from being in the field. Rather than his value being inherent in the fact that he was a son in his father's house, he believed that it was his works that deemed him worthy of any praise. That's why he complained saying, all these years I've been slaving for you. But you've never given me so much as a goat. I've been working so hard for you, but you've never done anything for me. And yet your son, he left. He lost everything. He comes back and you choose to celebrate him. You kind of see that sense that he has in his heart. So I think, you know, that location of the older son and him refusing to go inside and choosing to remain outside It represents our heart postures when it comes to being in relationship with God and also in service to him. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he speaks about how Christ's love motivates and fuels his passion. For older sons, it isn't Christ's love that fuels passion, but it's what we can get from Christ or what they can get from Christ. And I think it's so easy to be deceived, trust me. You will do things thinking it's love or your love for God that's compelling you to serve. But the truth is in the pudding when others are celebrated and you are not. How do you react? Do you join in in the celebration of your brother or sister? Or do you refuse and choose to stay outside? I mean, you could be clapping and jumping up and down and outwardly you're doing the most to celebrate. But inside there's that little heaviness of jealousy. You refuse to enter in. In your heart, you choose to stay outside. Now, how do you know this? Like I said before, I felt it before. I'm not ashamed to kind of raise my hand up and say I was an older son. Um, when others were promoted, I'd I'd feel jealous, and 
when I began to realize that that's how I felt, I genuinely didn't understand what was going on. It confused me that why was I feeling this heaviness? So I took it to God and I basically told him, Lord, I'm jealous. I, I just had to be candid. And I just said, I'm jealous when I'm seeing others being elevated and I don't understand why I should be celebrating. Um, and that's when God began to show me that my heart, it wasn't turned toward him as I served, but rather towards recognition and recognition from man. And when I didn't receive that recognition, it hurt and it made me jealous when others did. And I remember that when God showed me my heart, I just had to repent. I remember just crying and, you know, telling God that I was sorry. And in that moment, I was freed. But I didn't realize I was free until a, a while later when one day I just realized that I was genuinely celebrating the success and recognition of others and I was genuinely promoting others without any sense of heaviness at all. So if you're here right now or you're listening to this right now and you kind of feel like this sometimes, um, you know, just take it to God and he'll help you. Um, if he can do it for me, I know that he can do it for you as well. The second thing I would like us to look at is the older son's attitude. The word of God says, what has been stored up in your hearts will be seen by your fruit and heard in the overflow of your words. So eventually what you're constantly thinking or what's in your heart, it will come out. Although the older son called himself a faithful son, in his heart, he really didn't believe this. Listen to his words. He says, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? That word as, when the older son is describing himself, is quite interesting. Just because something is as something, it doesn't mean that it is that thing. An example can be found in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Where the Bible talks about those who wait on the Lord mounting up with wings as eagles. This doesn't literally mean you will sprout up wings and begin to fly. It's just a simile. It's just describing you as something. And I think I find it interesting that Jesus chose to use the words as a faithful son rather than because I am a faithful son. I think if the older son felt like a son or truly believed that he was a son he would have maybe said something like how many years have i been working like a slave okay he probably wouldn't have even said that but he would have said performing every duty you've asked because i am a faithful son i think one thing maybe to make clear is that as a son his attitude probably wouldn't have been like this to begin with but just to illustrate the point you know it's different saying performing every duty as a faithful son than saying performing every duty because I am a faithful son. I think out of his heart, the son spoke. He really did not see himself as a son. He thought he was like a son. And even, himself, even worse, he didn't identify himself as his father's son. Look at his words more closely as he speaks of himself and his brother. He says of himself as a faithful son not as your faithful son but of his brother he says this son of yours has come back 
I think this is the heartbreaking reality for many of us in the Christian faith today. We really don't see ourselves as part of God's family. Deep down, we think that it's what we do that matters to God. That we are not enough and we need to constantly perform to be loved. And I think sadly, this is the culture in some churches today. The more you serve, the more you're praised. So you you equate service to love. And yet when we go into the Bible, God says, it is who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. So this verse is coming from the message translation. And I think it really illustrates the heart of God that he says that our works are like dirty rags to him. It's not our works that please him. He loves us just as we are for who we are because he is our father. Before we were even born, he knew us and he chose to love us, knowing everything about us, things that were, things that currently are, and things that are to come. So I would really encourage you that if this is something that you struggle with, take it to God and help him to change your heart so that you can begin to see yourself the way that you see him the way that he sees you sorry and that you can begin to learn that you are enough it is who you are that counts your true being let your true being bring over into true words and true deeds um now the last thing i'd like us to look at is the prodigal father and the quote unquote slave I love the father in this story. He is so interesting to me. And I think the way that he addresses his son's tantrum is is kind of funny, but also kind of heartwarming as well. So the father never acknowledges or even addresses the label that the son gave himself as a slave. He goes straight to the heart of the matter. And he says some words that are so powerful in their simplicity and essence. And I'm just going to kind of break those down a little bit. So the first thing the father says is, my son, you are always by my side. Imagine that the father took ownership of his son when he was in his most disgusting state. Think about it. The son was outside. He's dirty. He's sweaty. He hasn't showered. He is angry. You can just see his face just contorted up in anger and he's just like oh how can you have this party for the son of yours yet I'm here working like a slave for you. And then after the son throws this big tantrum, the father says, My son, you are always by my side. Where the older son felt forgotten and marginalized, the father shows him that I know you've been here. I have seen your faithfulness. You are always by my side. And I believe that that's what God is saying to some of us today. He sees our faithfulness. And he knows we're always by his side. I remember just before God revealed to me my heart posture and service, you know, what I talked about just a few minutes ago, I felt him say that his redeeming nature extends to redeem even things past. So when I felt that, I had no idea what it meant, but I knew that when, when the time came, I would understand. So a few days later, while I was praying, and God began to show me why... I felt the way I felt and, you know, served the way I served. 
I remember just breaking down in tears that day and just repenting before God because I was serving not for God but for man. Um, I remember saying to God that I was sorry that I was serving from the wrong place for such a long time and I was just lying there just in the Father's presence and I really felt like I'd been wasting time and then those words came back to me. Again he said, my redeeming nature extends to redeem even things past. And as he said that, I got a sense that he was saying that because I had repented, he had redeemed my service back to himself. So in law, there is a term known as rectification. And it's whereby a court can order a change in a written document to reflect what it ought to have said in the first place. So in that instance of prayer, I felt God saying that he had rectified my service in his house so that rather than serving for the recognition of man, he began, he was counting my service as towards him. And I believe that this is the power of true repentance. It's not in the ability of man to change his mind, but in the power of God to redeem, rectify, and remember our sin no more. The second thing the Father says is, everything I have is yours to enjoy. And that is literally what God is saying. Everything he has is ours to enjoy. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, that is Christ, all the fullness should dwell. I love this verse in the Passion Translation. It says, God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. All of God's fullness, his holiness, his plans for our life, everything about him, everything he has is for us to enjoy. And that pleases him. That's the beauty of relationship with God. It's a discovery. The word of God in Proverbs, it says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how thoroughly they search out the deeper meanings of all that God says. God hides things not from us, but for us because everything he has is ours to enjoy. I remember I was listening to a sermon by Bill Johnson a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how during Easter, they enjoy hiding Easter eggs so that his grandchildren can go around and find them. And they'll all sit outside and just watch the kids grabbing them. And he was explaining how for the younger children, they would hide the Easter eggs in plain sight, and they'll just love how the younger children would go and pick them up. And the older children would know that everything in plain sight is for, you know, the younger ones, so they would leave them. And then he was explaining how his wife sometimes would hide money in some of the Easter eggs. And one of his younger grandchildren now knew this, so when he found an Easter egg, he would shake it to hear if there was money and put it down. And for them, he was saying that it brings them so much joy to see that, to watch that, to see his grandchildren the excitement on his grandchildren's faces is they discover an Easter egg or find an egg that's got money hidden in it or something like that. And I think that's 
exactly like God, it pleases him when we discover more of him. So I'd like to encourage you that determine it in your heart today that, you know, God wants you to find him, that he doesn't make it hard for you. He says he will be found by those who diligently seek him. Why? It's because all he is, is for us to enjoy. Imagine that it actually pleases God when you enjoy him. He wants us to enjoy him. When he teaches us new things, when he reveals his gifts in us, you know, that excitement you get when you prophesy and it comes to pass or the joy you get when you pray and you can literally see somebody being healed or the excitement you get when something you've been believing God for happens. It actually happens. All these things, they work to reveal the nature of God and he loves to reveal himself. Why? Because everything he has is for us to enjoy. The third thing I'd like us to look at is when the father says, it's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed. Um, in saying this, the father was correcting the son's wrong thinking. Across all the parables in Luke chapter 15, Jesus was constantly re-emphasizing the point that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one person who repents than all the righteous people just staying righteous. Um, I think for us, we sometimes forget this. As wonderful as it is to stay in the house of God, for God, God says, how much better is it to actually come back? And I think the father in the parable explains it beautifully when he says, you know, it's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. To be away from God is to basically be dead and gone. Now, would you not celebrate if someone who was dead and gone came back to life again? Rather than judging and pushing away those who've walked away from God, we, as those who are still in the fold, we need to love them back to the fold. It's not for us to change their behavior or actions. We honestly don't have that power. All we need to do is show them the love that God has shown us. And I think in saying this, you know, it's only right for us to celebrate. The father was basically saying to his oldest son, love your brother. For when we love, we glorify God. And if his name be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. When someone who didn't know God or knew God but fell away comes back, it's only right that we celebrate. When we begin to see those people grow in their love for God and begin to serve and be used in amazing ways to do mighty things, it's only right for us to celebrate. For those who were once dead and gone and now alive, revitalized and back with us again. The final thing I want to talk about is how the father began restoring the relationship between the two sons through four simple words. This brother of yours. I had never thought about how the older son would have felt at his younger brother leaving. I think a rift would have been created between the two. Imagine that, that maybe the two sons would have had duties that they had to do within the house and they would have split them between the two of them. But, the oldest, but with the younger son leaving, it was now all up to the older son. 
And when the younger son came back, the older son calls his brother this son of yours. You know, he really distances himself and he says this son of yours and he really places himself sort of on the outside. And I think those words, they really hit home for me. Now, I left home at a young age and I never thought about how leaving would affect my siblings. One day, my sister called me in tears and she was saying, you have no idea what you leaving did. And I think without God and intentionality between us in developing a bond, I really don't know if I would be as close to my siblings as I am now. So when the father said, this brother of yours to his older son, he was reminding him that there is a love relationship there. That it's a relationship that you cannot allow past mistakes to break. He was reminding him that no, you are not outside working. You are part of the fold. You are my son and this is your brother. So that is the end of the story. You know, I think interestingly, we never know what happened after the father and the son spoke. We don't know if he decided to stay outside. We don't know if he went in. Did he end up having a great relationship with his brother or were they forever estranged? And I think that was really intentional on Jesus' part um, that he wants us to decide for us, for ourselves how we proceed. That as older sons, are we going to go back to the father and seek restoration for him or are we going to choose to stay outside? Do we continue to be out of the fold do we continue to remain dirty to remain tired to remain weary to consist to consistently seek validation through our actions or do we choose to go in and celebrate with others at the return of our brother the choice is yours now that's the end of the prodigal series and like i said this one was a really um deep one for me because I identify with the prodigal son so much and I've seen the restoring nature of God's love Um, and in this moment I really just wanted to pray for anybody who is struggling in this area so it's anybody who sees themselves as a slave rather than a son and deep down inside you know that you do things um, for that transactional relationship with God where God, because I do this, you should do this for me. I really feel that God wants to free you from those thoughts and from that mindset. And he wants to show you that you are a son, that you've been adopted into his family, and that he loves you. That it's not because of what you do that he loves you, but it's simply because you've chosen to believe in his son. So we're just going to pray right now. Father God, we come before you in this moment, Lord, as children come to their father. Father God, we come before you to confess, Lord, that our hearts and our minds have not really been turned towards you as we have served, Father. We've shown signs of being slaves, God, where we are trying to perform to gain your love and to earn your love. But I thank you, God, that your love is priceless. There's no amount of works or deeds that we can do to ever earn it. But even more so, Lord, your love is free. Freely you give to us, Lord. I pray, God, for anybody who is struggling with that mentality of slaveship, Father, that you would reveal yourself to them. Your word says, Father God, that it's through the Holy Spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father, recognizing that we are your sons. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you will begin to work in each and, pers- in each and every person's heart who is struggling to reveal to them that they are your sons. Abba Father, may you do a good work. I pray for testimonies, God, that whoever needs to hear this and whoever receives this and whoever is touched by this, may they be a testimony that you did a greater work in them, God, than what I even saw in my own life, Lord. Today, God, I stand here as a testimony that you are a restoring God. You can turn slaves into sons. And Father God, I thank you that what you've done for me and in my life, you can do in anybody else's life. I give you all the glory and all the praise for restoring your sons back to yourself. We worship you, Lord, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There may be some people out there who are like the prodigal son. You used to have a relationship with the father, but because of life, you fell away. Or it could be the case that you've never even been in relationship with God. But as you're listening to the podcast that we post, you're feeling a tugging in your heart and you would like to enter into relationship with God. If you fall into any one of those two categories, I invite you to say this prayer after me. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me to be in a loving relationship with you. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I cannot save myself. I thank you, Father, that you sent your own son to die for me. Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the son of God and that you died and rose again for me. I turn away from my sins and invite you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I commit myself to you and ask you to send the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me and help me do your will. Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace that has saved me. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says this if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved I can tell you there's so much rejoicing in heaven right now over the decision that you have made I invite you to either buy a Bible or download a Bible app and begin to read the Bible every day so that you can learn to hear God's voice and your faith may be increased. I also invite you to join a local Bible-believing church so that you can fellowship with other Christians. Congratulations on the decision that you've made. It's such an exciting journey to travel with God. Once again, thank you for joining us here on Words from Abba, a place where we look to reveal the Father's heart so that you may be confident in who He is 
and what he has to say to and about you. We'll see you again next week on our next